0: Relax, pull up a chair and join us for the Be A Bond Girl podcast, featuring mastermind coach and author of Fempowerment, Unleashing Your Inner Bond Girl, Sandy Shepard. This is Sandy Shepard at BeABondGirl.com and thank you for coming to listen to the third of our coffee chats. I know that it looks like this is number two, but I do have podcast number one, my first interview, which was with Eve Abbott, the organizer extraordinaire that still has to post. I'm just waiting for her to approve that podcast. We had our second one with Scott Smith at Motivation to Move. I've gotten some great feedback from that. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. And I hope that you enjoy today's coffee chat with Dr. Monty of fitnessrocks.org as much as you did our interview with Scott Smith. If you'd ever like to call in a comment, I would certainly love to hear from you. Our phone number is 206-350-3537 for listener Feedback, and you can always email me at double Sandy, D O U B L E O H S A N D Y at yahoo.com. I have received a couple of comments as to when I'll be getting back to the regular podcast, and never fear, I will be right back on that shortly. I also have been recording more of the VIP podcast for those of you who are interested in having me in your ears. Every day of the weekday, please check out the VIP podcast portion of my website. And now here we go on my third coffee chat interview with Dr. Monty of fitnessrocks.org. Hi, this is Sandy Shepard from BeABondGirl.com, and for our third interview here, we have Dr. Monty from FitnessRocks.org. I've brought Dr. Monty to our podcast because he is one of the experts that I absolutely make sure that I download every week, Dr. Monty was a doctor. Uh, one thing that I certainly want to say at the very beginning, and I will also say at the end, since I'm a lawyer, uh, you can't get legal advice from me. You can't get medical advice from Dr. Monty. We'll be talking about some subjects, but anything that you happen to hear here, you want to bring to your own doctor. Don't go off any meds. Don't do anything crazy. We are just giving you some advice that's coming out of a lot of the journals that Dr. Monty happens to read, but this is not advice specifically for you. And if you want to put any of this into practice, make sure that you contact your own provider. Now I'll tell you a little bit about fitnessrocks.org. Dr. Monty has a great website, but he has a fantastic podcast. And what he does and what I really appreciate is that he's able to go and look at the journals that come out, the medical journals. And uh, if if you have ever seen one of these, they just look like so much jargon and technical stuff. Uh, my dad happens to be a doctor. He's uh, retired. And what Dr. Monty does for me is it's just like being uh, at the dinner table when my dad would read the Lancet or the New England Journal of Medicine, and he'd bring something up and say, gee, you know, there's this new study about XYZ, and he'd talk about it in layman's terms. Now, I know Dr. Monty is, it hates for me to say this, but I like to call him the Dr. Oz of the internet. And the reason why I call him that is not because he's a doctor currently practicing as a doctor, but you know how Dr. Oz is on Oprah's show where you watch him and he pulls the omentum out or he talks about stress or whatever, and you kind of go, oh, I understand. Well, that's what Dr. Monty really does in his podcast. He absolutely helps you to understand the cutting edge research that's happening out there in the medical community. And then even better, he goes straight to the horse's mouth, as it were, not to call doctors horses, but he goes straight to the horse's mouth and he will interview the people that have done these various studies and really find out how it applies to all of us in a lot of our lifestyle choices. So with that big interview introduction, I would like to welcome Dr. Monty to beabondgirl.com.
1: Thanks for having me, Sandy. I uh, appreciate that uh, that, in- that introduction. Well,
0: oh, that's that's what happens when I you you definitely have me as a big fan. I must tell you. Oh, I I
1: I, I liked it. I I'm impressed with myself. I'm gonna my self esteem is, is better.
0: <laughs> Perfect. That's that's where we want you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we tell our listeners? Um, my guess is we might have some crossover listeners, but just in case we don't, I'd love for you to sort of detail how uh, you got to be going from being a doctor in Texas to uh, moving to Cape Cod and becoming sort of this uh, medical reporter, I guess I would say, for the Internet. How did that happen?
1: Yeah, I'll give you the short version of that. But uh, basically, I, I was an anesthesiologist at first, and I did anesthesiology for about seven or eight years. And It was kind of a transition point in my life, so I thought I wanted to do something different. So I went and did a chronic pain management Mm, fellowship, mm. and I practiced chronic pain management for another seven or eight Mm. years, and I found myself sitting in my clinic in South Texas in a town that I'd grown up in, looking out the window of the empty Kmart parking lot that was next to my clinic. And thinking to myself that if I wasn't careful, the next 20 or 30 years of my life was going to slip right past me and I'd be sitting at the same desk looking at this same view. And I was very frustrated in my practice because as a chronic pain specialist, this was just my personal feeling. I just felt like I had nothing to offer my Mm. patients with regards to tools I'd been trained in. I, I just sort of wasn't impressed that the things I'd been trained to do were really helping people. And the reason that I came to that conclusion, correct or incorrect, was that I was impressed over the seven or eight years that I saw chronic pain patients that they all had the same underlying problem, which was that they were not taking care Mm -hmm. of themselves. They were physically deconditioned. They they ate terrible diets. They uh, smoked uh, in large numbers. Most of them. We did a we did a little random survey. At something like 88% of my patients were overweight or wow. obese. Uh, they they had enormous amounts of stress in their life, and they just had a combination of negative lifestyle habits and influences that I began to feel certain were related very closely to why they were in my clinic and why they weren't really getting better. And we tried very hard to to change it. I actually had a clinic with a gym and exercise physiology, and I required my patients to be involved in the exercise Mm -hmm. programs if they wanted to keep seeing me, and we made it impossible for them to decline, because if their insurance (laughs) wouldn't cover it, we gave it to them for free. So I I was trying very hard, and some of the patients embraced it, uh, but most of them Mm. did not, and I finally, I, I just, I burned out. I mean, I'm a poster child for, for the burned out, stressed out uh, professional or physician. And I, I threw up my hands and, and just quit right. really pretty abruptly and spent the next several years trying to figure out what to do with my life. That was in 2003. Wow. And somebody one day said to me uh, that podcasting was, was an available option to, uh, to talk about the things that interested me I tried it, and, and I've been doing Fitness Rocks since June of 2006. There's over 100 podcasts posted, and I just keep doing it. I, I enjoy it. I, I like it, uh, and I think it serves uh, somewhat of a purpose. And I guess I should say that what what I feel like I'm doing is what you said. Uh, I'm basically looking at the medical literature, and I'm looking specifically at the research that is done with regards to the association between lifestyle and mm-hmm. health, specifically exercise and diet and uh, things like that, and how that impacts the health of individuals and the health of populations. And there is an enormous amount of medical research on this topic or in this area that appears in the medical journals every single mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. and. My impression is that it goes largely unnoticed by the lay public as well as the medical.
0: Well, definitely, definitely by the lay public, because I will tell you, unless any of my listeners is also a doctor or doctor's daughter, they're not picking up the Lancet. And and it seems what what you're saying is very true in that. USA Today isn't either, so it's not like any of the popular press is reading any of the any of the medical press. And I think you're right. I think that a lot of doctors, when you said uh, you, that your patients in the pain clinic were sort of less than eager about doing the things that you might have um, prescribed to them, as it were, I'm sure that it was the typical situation where they were saying, "Doc, can't you just give me a pill?"
1: Yeah. It's, well, that, yes, uh, that. Uh, and, and the blame for that attitude, that sort of uh, doctor fix me attitude is the, 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 the finger can be pointed in all directions. Uh, you know, the medical community is just as responsible for mm-hmm. that as, as anybody else. This idea that uh, you can go to the doctor and be a passive recipient of
0: mm-hmm. treatment
1: interventions that will erase your problems mm-hmm. uh,
0: without you. It's I wonder a, if, crazy. I, I think it's crazy, but I think, I, I wonder if some of that, I've been thinking a little bit about this and, and I wonder if some of that is because people used to take better care of themselves. They didn't used to eat the crazy junk that's out there now and even things like graham crackers and Oreos were, you know, didn't have all the trans fats and stuff back when you and I were kids. And so I wonder if it's because when they would go to the doctor, it was more of a situation where they were already kind of taking pretty good care of themselves or exercising and stuff. And so when you went to the doctor, now 50, 40 years ago, the doctor would likely give you sort of a a pill or something like that. But now... People think they can go to the doctor and get that, but they're not doing what their forebears were doing before they got to the doctor.
1: Well, there's no question about it. I mean, our, our modern lifestyles uh, have become more and more sedentary. We have uh, the, the choices of foods that we have to eat that are that are unhealthy. It's just expanding exponentially. Uh, and, and all of the different ways people can occupy themselves that don't require physical activity oh, yeah. are continuing I mean, I think about that all the time. We live in a neighborhood that has probably just as many children in it as the neighborhood that I grew up in Mm -hmm. as a kid. And when I was a kid, the neighborhood would be crawling with kids running around playing baseball or football or basketball or whatever, just running around outside. You never see a kid in my neighborhood, except in the morning when they're going to catch the bus at the end. And
0: and in my neighborhood, which is the same sort of situation, you don't see the kids unless they're getting into the SUV with their mother, with their latte, taking them to school.
1: (laughs) Because they're all inside watching TV or playing video games. So there's been a lot of changes in our culture that clearly have lent themselves to declining health. And I just did a podcast on the changing trends in cardiovascular mm. disease, which the, the death rate from cardiovascular disease has been uh, steadily declining mm. over the last two decades, as because of a combination of uh, improved treatments for people who have heart disease, and uh, surprisingly, because of a reduction in risk factors like lower cholesterol oh. and lower blood pressure, which is due both in part to medical treatment and, uh, according to the doctors that did the study, a better uh, lifestyle habits, which I. <laughs> hard to believe, but I followed up that study with other research in children showing that this trend towards declining death rates from heart disease uh, appears to have ended and is now going to be entering an upswing because of exactly the things we're talking about. Uh, children, obesity rates among children are going up and up. Type 2 diabetes yeah. among children is starting to happen, which was just unheard of even two decades yeah. ago. When I was in medical school in 1981 you just didn't see ten-year-old kids with type two yeah, diabetes. I,
0: I think that I think uh, that's absolutely true. I remember that um, podcast actually, and I think that that was one of the big points that um, you you had interviewed the people that had done the, the study, but then also you were sort of going on and saying that about the whole obesity ep- epidemic, and that's the thing that's I, I just don't quite understand. And and uh, maybe you know is how it is that. Parents can sort of look at a kid who's obviously overweight and, and the podcast that, rem- that I'm actually thinking of right now, which is one of my favorite podcasts recently that you did was with the gal who, um, who did the CD skinny songs and, and y'all right. were talking, Heidi. Heidi, and y'all were talking about, um, how she, uh, it, it was that, that people now think that they're supposed to be proud of the way they look and, uh, you know, stuff like that. But it's not, you're not supposed to be proud of the way you look if you're 50 pounds overweight. It's that you're supposed to be okay with the fact that your calves are a little short or the fact that, you know, your, your hair happens to be wavy. But not to be okay the way you are when the way you are is, uh, not healthy.
1: All right, and that, that was Heidi Royson, and I'll put in a plug for Heidi, if you don't mind. She's uh, she's a wonderful woman who uh, created the, the the CD Skinny yes. Songs, which was songs to inspire her and others to to be active. And, and,
0: and I've just and I've just ordered them. a a T-shirt on her website that actually at the bottom of the T-shirt, not to interrupt you, but it says, um, Does this T-shirt make my butt look too small? <laughs> which which I thought was <laughs> perfect. But anyway, go ahead. So. Well, she she made the
1: she she created this this uh, CD of songs to to inspire people to to exercise, and they're upbeat. Uh, I thought they were great songs. And she apparently has uh, had uh, some people being critical oh. of her because they are uh, of the mindset that we should be teaching people to be accepting of their physical form. And sh- as you said, she said, well, you know, if you're five nine. Right as I am, and you'd rather be six foot five, well, that's something that you just have to accept. But if you're 50 pounds overweight and have developed high blood pressure and type two diabetes as a consequence of that and other poor lifestyle habits, it is ridiculous to say or suggest to people that they should just be accepting of that when there's so much they can do about it. In fact, I'll say here, this isn't a a good time to say this. The World Health Organization, Mm -hmm. as well as Many other uh, respected entities and researchers have repeatedly pointed out that 80% of all cases of coronary heart disease and 90% of all cases of type 2 diabetes are completely preventable wow. through simply adhering to healthy lifestyle wow. habits. That's, that's a staggering concept that again is what fitness rocks is all about because uh, so many people i think both uh, in the general public as well as in the medical community have developed this attitude that chronic diseases like high blood pressure like diabetes like uh, heart disease are something that just happens and uh that's the way it goes and uh, if you if you get these diseases too bad for you go see your doctor he'll give you a pill uh and and if you have these diseases, you should clearly totally go see your doctor and, and do what your doctor says. But people should understand that lifestyle interventions can prevent these diseases, and even once you have these diseases, play a should play a major role in the management of these diseases. Well, and, and, Again, under. And- Doctors right, and also,
0: I think that um yes, and i will I will reiterate that about every five minutes under your own doctor's supervision. we should just have a little thing that that keeps playing every once in a yeah. while,' just yeah. just sort yeah. of scrolls through the whole thing, but um, I remember a podcast that you did, I was teasing uh with my last interview. I'm very visual, I'm not particularly auditory in my in my memory, and uh in fact the the first uh the first interview that I did in this series of interviews was actually with a woman who's a, a brain specialist, and uh, she talked about auditory visual kinesthetic um, memory. And so when I uh, when I think about the podcast that you did, I can remember exactly where I was. I was listening to it in the car. I can think of where I was driving, but I can't tell you what number it was. When you actually interviewed a gentleman um, who had done a test, and it had to do with, um, like you had said, these things can all – these lifestyle changes can can all lead so that you won't get the disease. They're much better, you know, obviously that, that way. But it was a man who had done a study where he was having people who already had either high blood pressure or coronary artery disease, something like that, and he just had them – exercise for 30 minutes a day and it really made an enormous difference in um in their whatever it was their, trigly- their triglycerides or whatever do you remember that podcast yeah well there's been a couple
1: along those lines but the one
0: that i i
1: think you may be talking about is an interview with dr dana yes King that's right of the medical university of south carolina he, he and his colleagues uh, just do some wonderful research on lifestyle and they did a study in which they took a group of middle-aged people, mm-hmm. people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, and followed them for several years, and they looked at the ones, and there weren't many, uh, but they looked at the ones who developed healthy lifestyle habits, which were uh, exercising for at least 30 okay. minutes a day, not mm-hmm. smoking, maintaining a healthy body weight, and eating at least 5 fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. per day. And they looked to see and so they, these people were middle-aged and picked up these healthy habits, these four healthy habits at that point yes. in their life. So so you know 40 50 60 years old. And they followed them over another several years to see what would happen and they had I forget the exact percentage but there was a dramatic and statistically very significant decrease, uh, decrease among those individuals adopting the healthy lifestyle habits and their risk of developing all of the various chronic diseases and then their overall death rate from
0: that's what I remember, too. And some of these people had been smokers or had been, you know, your typical meat and potatoes eaters or hadn't been exercising. So they actually started this later in life, and they wound up right. having these dramatic effects, which I think is something that people really have to understand, because I think people get to my age. I'm in my mid-40s, and, and I will meet folks who've got that you know, what I call the toxic liver tummy um, or whatever, and they'll say, well, gee, I just can't do anything about it. And I think, doggone it, that's really not true. I keep trying to push them over to your website, but that's the sort of studies that I think are so, um, so important for people to understand is that it's never too late. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm i glad you
1: brought that up because so often I think people and again, perhaps this is another goal of mine with Fitness Rocks is that if you just read the occasional articles that pop up and and the lay press, it's very easy to get the idea that medical research is very confused about what's good for you and what's I bad agree. for you. Uh, because, uh, you know, w- what, several years ago we thought vitamin E was really good, but then <laughs> oh, when they actually God. did the studies, it was not good. <laughs> a- back and forth. But, you know, when when I talk to people, and they bring this sort of thing up to me. Uh, What I tell them is, look, the basics of a healthy lifestyle, uh, supplements and crazy diet plans and stuff like that aside, the basics of a healthy lifestyle have been convincingly and overwhelmingly established for four or five Mm -hmm. decades Mm -hmm. at least. They have been consistent. There has been no wavering. Whether or not a particular supplement is good for you or not is an irrelevant question because what is clearly established is that eating a diet that's largely based on plants, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts, beans, etc., and exercising every Mm -hmm. day and not Mm -hmm. smoking and maintaining a healthy weight across a variety of different cultures has consistently been shown to be associated with very low rates of the chronic diseases that plague our society today. I'll just say another interesting – you know I hate to throw too many numbers up, but it's fascinating when I hear the discussions that go on in political debates about health care and how we're going to reform health care. I get so upset that nobody talks seriously about the reality that currently in America 75% of our health care spending – Goes towards the treatment of chronic Absolutely. diseases, high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, cancers of various types, uh, chronic lung disease, and most of those diseases are prevented through simple, healthy lifestyle interventions. Not weird things, not 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 unusual <laughs> practices, but just basics. Of a healthy lifestyle that, that I've mentioned already. So it's a big deal. There's nothing mysterious about it and it's nothing that's inconsistent. If you ask me the same question six years from now, I'm gonna tell you the same uh, if you had that I, one years ago I would have told you the same thing. I think then.
0: that's one of the things too. I remember I, I can't quite remember somewhere, you know, when when either the zone came out or something came out, you know, whatever it was. I remember going to my dad and saying I just need to understand how the body actually works. You know, and, and uh, I, I've taken anatomy and things like that. And um, I was I was unfortunately very bad at math. So I became a lawyer instead of a doctor. My poor father was, you know, never going to forgive me. But I promised I wouldn't do malpractice. And um, and he was so funny because he was very patient and really sat down. And, you know, this was 20 years ago. And it, that's exactly what he said. He said, look, this is what we're built to do. We're we're built to walk a lot, you know. We're built to be eating basically plants and beans and berries and and you know that kind of stuff all the time. And every once in a while, when our our four our caveman forebears would have taken down a gazelle, sometimes yeah, get some meat in there. But mainly, we're made to be grazers. We're made to be moving. We're we're certainly not made to be doing things like smoking or eating white sugar or white flour. All these things that are invented by man. Triglyceride, not triglycerides. Uh, what are they called? Uh, Fatty acids, you know, stuff like that, and and, he, and it was sort of funny because he said this is just what we learned in medical school. But then it's almost as if everybody wants to make a, a new twist because they want to make some money. It's, it seems to be a little bit of our our uh, consumer or our capitalist society where somebody will say, "Oh, well, this is the the new perfect diet for you." But doing the right thing doesn't cost you anything. It just Means that you have got to take control of your life because no, you are not going to be doing the drive-through at McDonald's and just sitting around. We we have our caveman bodies. We don't have a new 21st century body that's made to absorb all that and not get any exercise except for the thumb wheel of our little PDAs.
1: Yeah, I, you know, it's you bring up several good
0: points there.
1: It is again, it's it's a cultural phenomenon that uh, everything in our lives these days has to be quick and mm. easy. Uh, so what that means, dinner, it's easier to pick it up, uh, go to a drive-in window and have somebody hand you a greasy bag mm-hmm. of food than it is to wash the fruits and vegetables and cut them and steam them or whatever, and he, uh, which is uh, remarkable to me because I, I do that mm-hmm. every day and I've been doing it every day for 35 mm-hmm. years and it's not that hard. But in fact, it's kind of fun.
0: I listen to podcasts, so see, I, I, I actually kind of, when I run out of things to chop and stuff, I'm kind of bummed out because I'm, I've still got more podcasts to listen to. Sometimes I'll just chop onions for like the next day because I'm not quite done with the podcast yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know,
1: to, to sort of develop a, a healthier relationship with the things we do in our lives, like yeah. eating, uh, you know, why do we need to rush that experience? Uh, I, I don't understand that. I think... We've just got a lot of things to, to, to look at and, and maybe think about changing in the way we perceive the world we live in. We're always in such mm. a hurry to be getting someplace else, and, and I'm never quite sure where we're trying to get to so right. fast because basically we're all just speeding towards the end of right. our lives right. uh, without spending too much time enjoying it. One of the things to enjoy is your Absolutely. body and, and a good, healthy body. Yeah, I. You know, uh, I, I It upsets me that people don't look at their body and their Mm -hmm. being, to to look at themselves as human beings and not appreciate what a phenomenal thing Mm -hmm. we are. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you really look at it that way, then how could you mistreat yourself the way uh, most of the people in our society do? Uh, you know, it just, it just doesn't well, make sense. I, to I think You've it's been-
0: exactly what you said though, in that um, I think that people are disconnected from their bodies. I think a lot of people live from the neck up. And, um, so they, they don't, they just sort of think that there's this thing that's carrying around quote unquote them, which is their brain and they don't pay much attention to it. And I, I won't reiterate it here, but, but I will remind my listeners that, uh, my last podcast actually had to do with saying grace over, the meal, and um, how one of my clients has now wound up losing weight just because instead of getting takeout, she's actually making making a meal and sitting down and saying grace over it. But I, I think you're absolutely right. I think we wind up speeding our speeding our way through life, trying to get from here to here to here, and we wind up with a shorter life, so less of a path that we're covering. And when you get to the end, you know what what did you enjoy? I mean, you should enjoy every single meal.
1: You know, I think that's an important point to make. Is that I, I think people are confused about how to think about fitness. I think it it, it, uh, it has a bad reputation. It, it, it's viewed as a self-absorbed endeavor that's all about vanity and things like that. And that, that's for some people, maybe it is. But that's not how I think it should be be viewed. Um, you know, and I, I think we we look at fitness as being something that uh, is only for people that have a lot of time Mm -hmm. on their hands and and not for the rest of us who have more important Mm -hmm. things to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I remember very clearly a patient I had who was in his early Mm -hmm. 50s, 51 or 52, had already had his second heart attack, had already had two or three angioplasty procedures, and was continuing to smoke a pack of cigarettes. Oh, my goodness. And uh, and he he was a very successful businessman in our uh, area, and um, he just... He he was a worker, and and I was sitting in the clinic one day talking to him, trying to get him to consider exercising and changing (laughs) his diet. And, you know, well, Doc, I'm just so busy. And I looked at him and I said, you've got more money than uh, a thousand people would ever know what to do with, and what good is it going to do you if you drop dead tomorrow because you refuse to take care of yourself? I mean, at what point… Does your own well-being become important enough to do a few simple things? I'm not talking about an extravagant mm-hmm. intervention. I'm talking about a 30-minute walk yep. every day and uh, eating an apple instead of a candy yep. bar and simple things like that. Um, so I don't know. It's a tough sell. Well,
0: really I remember also you you did in one of your podcasts, which was very interesting. I remember, I think it was pretty much this subject about the idea that, that fitness was sort of an elitist kind of thing, and that you were talking about the um, uh, study that had been done with house cleaners, and that they didn't really believe that they were doing anything that was exercise-related until they were educated. I think that was a very interesting one as well, and, and you might just talk a little bit about that, because I think that was instructive.
1: Yeah, that was Dr. Ellen Langer of Harvard, and she did a, a really interesting study uh, looking at how um, interesting ideas. She, she, her, her area of research for the past three decades has been uh, with regards to mindfulness, mm. and she's written several books, and uh, she's really an interesting uh, individual and has done a lot of good work, but she was wondering, uh, her and her colleagues, what is the impact of how we think about it or our right, attitudes of exercise right. with regards to the perceived health benefits that's of exercise. Right. And, uh, so they did, a, they did a, an ingenious study design. They took people, and as you pointed out, uh, women who worked as house cleaners in hotels. And they picked women who worked as house cleaners because they thought perhaps that these would be people who had very physically active mm-hmm. lives and yet may not perceive what they do every day as being exercise and having the associated benefits Mm -hmm. of exercise and so might not be getting those benefits and and so they went in and and they 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 got a large number of these women in in multiple different hotels they did baseline measurements of blood pressure and weight and uh, things like that and then they explained to half of the women what great benefits their job was giving them with regards to physical activity and how this should really make it, an impact on their health. And the other women didn't hear this. And, and the women in the two different groups were in different That's hotels so that they couldn't talk to each other and, and get wind of what was going on. And after just four yep. weeks, they saw in the women who'd been educated that their activity was actually good for them. They saw decreases in blood pressure. They lost Amazing. weight. Um So their body mass index had gone down somewhat, So and a few other uh, indicators that I can't remember, all of which showed positive improvements with regards to overall health, and and nothing changed. They verified that nothing changed with their activity levels. None of the women took up this particular diet or anything like that. So just the fact that they began thinking positively about the benefits of activity that they were already Mm -hmm. doing – had a positive impact on its physical effects, which is an interesting study, and, and I, you know I was, I was obviously I thought it was worth talking yeah. about. Because I had well, to, and I you know, think
0: I think the thing is too is certainly for my listeners. I think one of the things that I'll say to people, and I I said in my recent podcast was really just you know sort of put your shoes by the bed, get up. I don't care if you live in an apartment, get up, just sort of walk around for. 10 minutes every morning, even if you just start that way. But I I think I was really motivated by, by that podcast that you had, given because I suggested that they really think about how this is getting them ready for the day and how they're sort of pumping their energy around it and pat themselves on the back for doing what they're doing. I think often we we do some exercise or we're at the gym, but our mind is somewhere else. And I certainly remember in David uh, Kirsch's book, um, he he really discusses that he does not like people to be at the gym and uh, listen to you know be listening to the news or something cuz he wants you really to concentrate on what you're doing and and it it's his um he espouses that you're going to actually gain uh, gain better results that way. I'm not quite sure. I read something the other day also that people that exercise to music actually lose more weight than people that exercise um, not to music. So you know, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going out there. But I think the mindfulness thing is really important in that a lot of people need just just being mindful. I think makes you pay attention to your body and uh, like my clients who started saying grace and, and suddenly realized, gee, I don't, I don't want to put the, uh, the takeout boxes on the table. It doesn't seem very respectful. So then suddenly they started cooking their food and then they suddenly realized, you know, they needed to cook something a little bit. It, just the act of saying, saying thanks to the farmers and whatever, not, not some, you know, grace that's, that's highfalutin. This was, I told them just to thank the people that had brought the food to them on the table. They looked at the food in the takeout and th- that they were having and they said, we don't really know where this came from, and that started a whole different way of them eating. And the thing that was so funny was that she called me a static, saying, "I'm losing weight," and I and I thought, "Yeah, well, duh, you're not eating you know Chinese takeout with all sorts of crazy stuff in it anymore." But I think it was also that mindfulness thing—just sitting down and and looking at that food, or going out and and exercising, and just thinking about the fact that you know you are this being, whatever you call. The, the it that's us in this body, which is which we only get this one time around, regardless of what your religious views are.
1: Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I don't want to get too far out or, or New Agey mm-hmm. on you, but uh, I, I was one of the podcasts several months ago that I was I was doing. I was researching. I was reading the, the papers that I was going to review, and uh, I should say to people that the, a lot of the podcasts that I do, I I just find an interesting paper and I read it and. Uh, I, often on topics that i know oh no all great it's like the ones
0: you did on meditation and the and then the like the ones with the moms that had that were under stress that had the like down syndrome kids and stuff i'm listening to this stuff and i'll pull up in the in the grocery store and i'll i won't be able to go in because i'm so fascinated to hear what you're going to say next so i think you're doing a great job yeah
1: but i i get a lot of emails people asking me specific questions about the podcast and i'll have to write them back and say you know I don't know anything about that topic other than what I said on my podcast. I found the paper. It was interesting. I read it. I researched it. I read a few other papers and, uh, and I reported mm-hmm. on it. Uh, but it's not that I'm necessarily an expert in that area, but one of the podcasts, and I forget which one it was, but I was reading about how the nutrients of, of okay. all sorts, uh, actually interact with our our genes, our DNA, oh. they, they, they affect genetic expression. I remember that. And I, I was just, this was such a fascinating yeah. concept to me. And I'd heard other people talk about this. And I started thinking, and this is where I, I, I'm going to sound like I'm getting kind of crazy, but uh, I just started thinking, how fascinating is that, that the food that I oh, eat yeah. is absorbed by my body, and its nutrients are, are, you know, it's broken down into its individual molecules, and they go off into my body, and they interact with my genes trace that back to the plant growing Absolutely. in a field that some farmer planted yep. and all of the different hands mm-hmm. it passed mm-hmm. through from where it was grown to arriving at my grocery store where I bought it and ate it think of the connections there i just what does that mean anything important i don't know but it's a fascinating thing to me that right now somewhere in the world somebody's growing mm-hmm. an orange that i will ultimately eat and it will start
0: telling my DNA what now, It to is do. amazing. The fact that what you're eating and what you're doing can affect your actual DNA very much directly should be a real wake-up call right there. Well, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I, I think...
1: And again, perhaps that's the goal of, of doing the, the podcast is to, is to get people to sort of change their... To make a conscious decision. As Dr. Langer would say, be right. mindful. So when you reach candy bar... Uh, versus the mm-hmm. apple. Think about think about the implications mm-hmm. of that. You know, there was another podcast I did about exercise and its effects on DNA, and they showed that, in, again, in middle-aged people who began a regular exercise program, and in this case it was a strength mm-hmm. training program, they were able to show through biopsies that the genetic expression in their muscle cells, after a very brief period, I think it was six weeks of strength mm-hmm. training. The genetic expression reverted to that of people who were in their wow. 20s uh, th- through nothing more complicated than going and lifting weights a couple of three was days Was it
0: just the weights? Was it just the muscles? Do you remember? Was it just the muscles that were being exercised? Or was it throughout, like oh, the heart? Throughout their body. So the heart's a muscle. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's huge. Right. Of course.
1: So it's, uh, again, uh, our wow. body, you know, our bodies are dynamic and they, our health is an interaction between uh, our genetics and our environment. And, and I get very upset with uh, doctors and people who, who feel doomed by their genes. Everybody yeah. in my family had type 2 diabetes. I might yep. get it too. Well, you certainly are at higher risk for getting it, but it is not a foregone conclusion. Yep. You, you, you can make a mm-hmm. difference by changing your environment. Mm-hmm. Uh and even if you do get type 2 diabetes, if you're still adhering to healthy lifestyle habits, you can your doctor will be able to manage it more successfully. Absolutely. So, uh, I I just I like people to understand that they're not who we are is not set in stone. We have a lot of impact on how that how our health plays out over our Well,
0: life. and I think what you said too is is I think in, in one of your other podcasts, you sort of made the point that about every seven years you've replaced all the cells in your body. And so, you know, why not start today and, and by seven years from now be, have the have the, sort of you're saying the muscles of the 20-year-old, you know, you're, you're replacing your cells all the time. So these cells, why not replace them with ones that are happy and healthy and whatever? It's- yeah, I think you know, one thing I, I do want to point out to people is that uh, we're not going to live forever. Absolutely. And, and for
1: Absolutely. All a healthy lifestyle should not be immortality. Yes. Uh, And and what what the research has consistently demonstrated about people who live healthy lifestyles is that they do, in fact, tend to live longer. But, again, uh, I I think it's it's wrong to put longevity at the top of your list of reasons why you're going to live a healthy lifestyle. But they do, on average, uh, tend to live about nine to ten years longer. But more important than that is that fewer of the years that they are alive are spent being beleaguered with chronic diseases. And, and to me, that's the real, that's the real. Oh, absolutely. Thing, that uh, rather than struggle through the last 25 years of your life in and out of the doctor's office, in and out of the hospital with chronic diseases and just sort of slowly dwindling, why not live as robustly as you can uh, so that you can enjoy your yep. life? Yep. Uh, yep. So, I, again, it's a personal choice. I, I think uh, we, people need reasons to change their habits. And, and that's what. I guess I'm trying to do, and in modern medical systems in other oh, countries, yeah. uh, doctors are rewarded uh, when their patients yeah. are healthy, uh, uh, which is not a bad concept, uh, to, to, and, and again, it's I don't want to get into the politics oh. of, of how healthcare works in America, but I, I, I think we, we, we've we may need to change a few things if we really want to make a, a difference in the rates of chronic diseases that, uh, that face with. I
0: right agree now. with you. So, well, I've promised that I wouldn't take too much of your time and we've, and of course I am a huge fan, as you could probably tell, and we've been on the phone for an hour already. So I just thought as kind of a wrap up, when we look at most of the things that you've read, um, and most of the things that you've brought up in your podcast, we've talked a bit about exercise, certainly, and we've talked a little bit about um, the things that we should be eating. I remember a whole, I want to say a whole week's worth of uh, stuff when you were talking to the folks at Mudra Moments and you talked to a, uh, woman doctor, I want to say about sort of meditation and things like that. And that's, that's one thing that I'd like to cover before we leave because I remember a lot of my clients will often say to me, well, I certainly don't have enough time to, to do something like that. And, um, I keep telling them to just shut themselves in the bathroom and do a little bit of, of meditation type work. And, and I just remember that you had a whole, almost like, a week's worth or two or three podcasts that are about that and I don't remember what you said so I'm wondering if you might be able to recap some of that.
1: Uh, yeah, I'll try to summarize that as uh, brief, uh, briefly as I can. I, stress and, and the effects of stress uh, are, are are very interesting to me and, and I will say at the outset here I am not an expert Absolutely. in stress and stress disorder. but uh, nonetheless it's interesting for several reasons. Number one because uh I am sort of an anxiety-prone, (laughs) stressed-out individual, which is probably why I exercise. In fact, I'm going to digress just briefly and tell you that just the other day, somebody was asking me how it is that I have such discipline to exercise for two hours Mm -hmm. every day. And I looked at him and I said, I've been exercising for at least two hours every day for 30-plus years, and it has nothing to do with discipline. Right, right. (laughs) It's only two hours of every day that I can think straight Mm -hmm. because when I'm exercising, my mind is just clear and I yeah. like it. Uh, and I think that uh, discipline implies that you're forcing yourself to do something that you don't want to yeah, do. Yeah. And that becomes yes. stressful. And that's probably a big reason so many people don't like mm-hmm, exercise mm-hmm. is because they look at, they look at it wrong. Mm-hmm. They, they, they don't realize that it's actually fun mm-hmm. to move. So, so stress interests me. And, and there are countless studies and books on the negative impact of chronic psychological stress on our health and I've, I've got several or at least a couple of podcasts in which I review some of those articles and I won't get into the details here but suffice to say that lots of medical research indicates that people who are under chronic stress either because of a job mm-hmm. that they can't mm-hmm. stand or perhaps they're in the uh, unfortunate situation of, of caring for uh, a disabled mm-hmm. loved one uh, for example a uh, spouses caring for uh, the other spouse who's uh, disabled with Alzheimer's mm-hmm. disease or thing like this just a, an immensely stressful thing for people and there's nothing you can do to change mm-hmm. that situation there probably are lots of ways that uh, people can handle them that would have less of a negative impact on mm-hmm. their health uh, using exercise is one way of sort of helping with that and I interviewed a doctor that you're talking about was a, a researcher from, I want to say UCLA. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pretty sure that's where it's from. And they looked at uh, transcendental that's meditation. Right. And, and they specifically looked at transcendental meditation because, uh, b- believe it or not, apparently there is a patent
0: on I'll the process darned.
1: of transcendental meditation. Oh, uh, darn. So uh, anyway, the, the, the reason this they picked is because it's, it's a structured yes. format so that it can be their study results could be reproduced mm-hmm. uh, by other researchers, which was a, a very valid mm-hmm. point because if they said we're searching the effects of some particular technique that only we do, well, then nobody could ever reproduce. Yeah, absolutely. So they picked uh, Transcendental Meditation because of its structured format, and they were able to show that training people to do this for, I forget how, not very much time, uh, and it was a very small I was going
0: to say it was like 20 minutes a day or 15 minutes a day or something. <laughs> something that uh, really,
1: no matter who you are, if you can't find yeah. 20 minutes, you really need to rethink the way you're yep. doing things. And, and through this uh, Transcendental Meditation for for 20 minutes or whatever it was per day, they showed significant reductions in blood mm. pressure uh, as well as other markers of, uh, of health and, and or risks of chronic disease. Uh, and so, which again is a fascinating idea to think that uh, becoming just a little bit more mindful of who mm-hmm. you are, what mm-hmm. you're doing, and what your life is mm-hmm. all about makes a difference in, in your health. And uh, we could talk about this for another two hours. So I was going to say this. This may have to
0: be our next uh, our next podcast. We may have to have the you know Dr. Yeah. Monty moment. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's, uh, again that that's that's a great way to end the show because that's exactly
1: the kind of research that's out there in the medical literature that uh, goes unnoticed for the most part because there are no drug reps running into the doctor's office handing them uh, articles on the benefits of exercise or the benefits of eating fruits and vegetables or the benefits of meditation. Uh, because uh, there are no companies selling exercise or meditation, yep. it's something you can do for yep. yourself, but it's out there. And, uh, it's, it's fascinating stuff it, it deserves to be
0: uh, looked at Well, and, and on that note because I think that's that really says it all and I think that people forget that about doctors is that it's not the doctor's fault but um, I certainly remember with my dad you know that's exactly right is that the reps will be out there and there isn't a rep for the legume uh, association and there isn't a rep for exercise and there isn't an, a rep for transcendental meditation and so when you're getting those things from your doctor and this is not dr. Monty talking this is this is me talking so don 't think that you're getting a doctor 's advice on this you're just getting a doctor's daughter 's advice um, you know when you go to your doctor and maybe your doctor says you know your your blood pressures up i 'm going to give you this pill you you have to remember that that pill's been given to him by somebody who might have taken him out to lunch and said this was the next greatest thing and your doctor's probably a fantastic guy or gal but they do have Have this input of these people that come into their office constantly, and they often aren 't able to find these other uh, things that Dr. Monty covers in his podcast, which I just think is such a great resource where he really covers things that you know the doctors might just gloss over, and there 's no Rep for that, and so I've I've called uh, Dr. Monty the Doctor Oz of the internet. Maybe we should call him the non-drug rep of the internet. Maybe he's the lifestyle rep, and uh, and we'll find some way that we can uh, we can get him to the point where he's able to take doctors out to lunch and uh, explain to them that really what they need to do is be prescribing a little bit of exercise, fresh air, and a plant-based uh, diet to some of their patients instead of some of those pills that. They get those pretty uh, reps bringing into their office. So, on that note, I would like to thank Dr. Monty for coming here. I hope you will consider coming back. Oh, I'd love to. Fantastic. And I just absolutely am so, um, I'm so honored that you came and talked to us here. And I hope that some of my listeners will go and listen to your podcast because I just think it is one of the best podcasts on the internet that I've found and I'm a big internet surfer that will give you information that can absolutely change your life. So thank you again for spending some of your evening with us and you have a good night. Good night. I hope that you enjoyed our coffee chat with Dr. Monty from fitnessrocks.org. I certainly had a great time speaking with him. As we said a couple of times during the podcast, please know that this is not doctor's advice and if you want to take anything that Dr. Monty says in his podcasts or in this podcast to your doctor, that would be fantastic. I think Dr. Monty would love it if every doctor in America listened to his podcast to stay up to date with lifestyle issues, but this is just a general podcast for your information. The thing that really stuck with me was the whole story about stress and how doing exercise can be stressful if you think of it as being just a discipline that you have to do versus something fun. So as your takeaway today I hope that you'll consider some lifestyle changes that you can do and just how different they will be if you don't think of them as things you have to do, but as things that you really want to do, look forward to doing, and that you're having fun. I know it may not seem like walking for 30 minutes is fun to you. Maybe it seems like a chore, but you can make it a game. Go walking in a different area than where you live, find a nice park. Find some podcasts you can download, mine included, and take us all with you. There's great podcasts that have music, podcasts like DJ Steve Boy uh, and Pod Runner that you can just download for free and get some great music that can get your heart pumping. And let's try to make a lot more of these lifestyle changes to be fun. And let's think about it and be motivated and mindful for the rest of this week. I hope you have a wonderful one, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye! Bond Girl is neither affiliated with nor endorsed by Eon Productions, Sony Pictures Entertainment, MGM Studios, or United Artists. This podcast is copyright 2008 by Double O Productions, all rights reserved. Fempowerment and Fempower are registered trademarks of Double Productions. For more information, visit BeABondGirl.com. Our goal? To build a better world, one Bond Girl at a time.